Good morning, St. Peter's. It's a pleasure to be with you all, as it always is, but I feel especially blessed to get to receive and respond to God's word with you in this capacity today. For those of you I don't know, my name is Gregory Canero. My wife, Jenna, and I have been attending St. Peter's since October. Now, a little, little bit about myself. I work in the city for a ministry to middle and high school students. And this means, yes, that I, in typical youth ministry fashion, consume an unhealthy amount of pizza on a regular basis, that I spend a ridiculous amount of time playing absurd but admittedly very fun group games. But all the pizza eating and general tomfoolery serve the greater purpose of communicating the basics of Christianity to young people. And when I say communicating the basics, I'm referring to the foundational truths of Christianity. That God wants to be with each and every one of us as a loving father wants to spend time with and delight in the presence of his children. To put it another way, the foundation of our faith is a living and active relationship. And this same truth is revealed in this morning's passage from Acts and in our gospel reading. And so this morning, I want us to understand how this concept of being children of God fits into the broader story of the Bible. I want to illustrate what this kind of love between father and beloved children looks like. And then I want each of us to consider what it looks like in our lives that we are God's cherished children, that you are his deeply loved child. So again, in Acts, St. Paul is doing what I hope to do on a regular basis. He's teaching the basics of Christianity to the intellectual elite in Athens. He explains that God has revealed himself intimately, personally, and relationally by coming into the world as the man Jesus Christ. He proclaims that God wants to be known and therefore has made himself knowable not as a distant and obscure deity, not as the unknown God, but very specifically in the person of Jesus Christ. And then Paul takes things a step further. He says, we are his offspring. He reaffirms the promise that Jesus makes in today's gospel reading, that God wants to know and love and cherish his poor, broken, and lowly children. Who he loves so dearly. Our God existed in complete self-satisfaction before the creation of the world. He existed without need, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, eternally bound in blissful and loving union. And creation poured out from the overflow of his loving nature, and it was good. In the Garden of Eden, God perfectly crafted every blessing, both over and under the sun, giving them to Adam and Eve that they might live in his image as his beloved children. Think about this for a second. God literally gave them the world to savor and to enjoy, and he wanted to enjoy it with them. So he entered into the garden, celebrating and delighting together in the world that he had made. But we know the story. We know that mistrust and fear came between God and humanity, and that the desires of Adam and Eve created distance between them and their loving creator. 
to use language from today's gospel passage, they were banished from the garden, they were as orphans. But God did not forsake them, and he was not content to leave humanity to our own devices. Instead, he came into the world as the man Jesus Christ, as a king willing to get his hands dirty. He bore the consequences of our broken world in his body for our sake. And then he rose from the dead, breaking the power of death and evil once and for all. And finally, as we see in today's gospel reading, God enters into the lives and hearts of his followers to abide in them and to abide with them. He wants to enrich every lived moment, comforting us, challenging and growing us, and delighting in our shared presence. John 14, 18, from our passage this morning, Jesus makes a promise. He makes the promise that we can and that we will be totally at home in the presence of God and the promise that God will make his home in us. When I think of the way that God wants to make a home with us and within us, that he wants to delight in being in our presence, I think back to my childhood. I am not an orphan. I have parents who I love and who I respect. And I remember the ways that at the end of a long day or a long series of days, more like it, my parents would come home and they would devote their time and their attention to my siblings and I. Regardless of what their days or weeks held, evenings and weekends were a time for celebration because we were together. And so we played, we shared our meals, we sang, we sat and snuggled on the couch. We also made prank phone calls to the rest of our family members, which they didn't seem to love, but whatever. But each of these gifts, food, music, play, they were a cause for joy and gratitude in themselves, but each was made richer and better by the gift of sharing them together as a family. I also want to say there wasn't a pressure for everything to be perfect or for everyone to be happy all the time. We had space to feel and to grieve, and at the dinner table we would process our days. Whether we got bullied on the playground or whether my parents had a tough day at work or in their friendships and their relationships with other people. And we would come together, and in coming together, we would be met in our grief, and together we would walk from grief into contentment, and from contentment into satisfaction, and from satisfaction into joy. I want to be careful here because my childhood was not perfect. I enjoyed a lot of it, I'll be honest, but there were really hard parts about it as well. But the simplicity with which I remember being with and celebrating an ordinary day with my parents and the way I remember their excitement to spend time with us kids, even if it is tinged by nostalgia, it's similar to the way that God delights to be with his children, the way that God delights to be with you and with me. The reality of being together and delighting in each other's presence is what Jesus promises us in the Holy Spirit as we look to Pentecost, which we celebrate next week. And we may not be feeling this sense of delight, this sense of God's closeness and presence. Last week, Christine talked about uh, how being a Christian means that in following Jesus, 
Jesus promised us, in this life you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Christ doesn't promise that we will skate through life unscathed, but that he will meet us in our, in our challenge and in our difficulty, and that he will carry us into deep, satisfying relationship with himself. And he is faithful and able to fulfill his promises. And so today's gospel passage features this reminder, this promise from Jesus that I will not leave you as orphans. And so now I, wanna, I want us to begin to think about what does it mean for us to not be left as orphans? What it means is that we will be totally at home in the presence of God. And God's presence will find its home in us. In giving the Holy Spirit, God simply wants to be with us. He wants to meet us in the midst of all our emotions. And in this season of quarantine, I've been reflecting on just emotional roller coasters, and especially on the emotional roller coaster that, uh, that the disciples would have experienced from Holy Week to Pentecost. I've been reflecting on what they went through between the promise that Jesus made that they would not be left as orphans and the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the fulfillment of that promise. And in doing so, I've realized that there are so many parallels to our own experience of this COVID-19 pandemic. And so if you'll bear with me for a minute, I want to walk us through the very first Easter season. And in doing so, I hope you will be able to draw parallels to your own experience from the last few months. Like I said before, the first Easter season was just all over the place in terms of emotions. I can only imagine uh, that the first of Jesus's followers in this Easter season just experienced absolute emotional whiplash. And beginning with Holy Week, with Good Friday, they felt utter despair as the crucifi crucifixion crushed their hopes, followed quickly by disbelief and impossible joy on the morning of the resurrection. And what feels especially relevant to me now is that for the next 40 days, the Bible repeatedly tells us that the disciples were trapped inside for fear of the outside world. Is it, is it just me who feels like that's relevant to what we're going through right now? They feared persecution, however, and not a virus. But in the midst of this tense and trapped season, Jesus appeared to them periodically over and over and over again, reminding them of the promise that he would not forsake or forget them. He would not leave them as children without the comfort and protection of their parents. He would not leave them as orphans. And when Jesus came and visited with them, the disciples sat in and savored the presence of Jesus. They enjoyed meals with him. They felt the comfort and simple joy of just being with their Savior and Lord. And finally, the day of Christ's ascension comes, which we celebrated together this week. And this, to me, seems like the most emotionally fraught, just all over the place day. Because I, on that day, I imagine they experienced this huge spectrum of emotions. Wonder and awe as Christ literally rose from the earth and ascended into heaven before their very eyes. I imagine them feeling quiet satisfaction and gratitude and relief, knowing that this time Christ's departure is in life, 
and not in death. I imagine a tinge of heartache and sadness that their beloved friend, their Savior, and their Lord is departing from them once more. And I know if I were there on that day, I would have felt doubt as Christ's departure raised questions about the fulfillment of his promises and the nature of his plans. How can he be present to us if he's leaving again? How can he be present to us if we can't see him? But my hope is that that doubt would have been overcome by confidence and confirmation, not only, again, as Christ literally raised into heaven, but confidence and confirmation as they recalled that Jesus followed through on every single promise he ever made to them. Remember, he promised them resurrection from the dead, and he followed through on that one. And finally, resting in the confidence that Christ spoke the truth when he cried out from the cross, it is finished. I imagine them feeling anticipation and desire as they look for his return and for the coming of the Holy Spirit, even if they didn't know what exactly they were looking for. And so as we have walked together through this Easter season in quarantine, I want to ask which of these have been your emotions? In which ways have you felt what Jesus's earliest followers felt? Perhaps there's one presiding emotion. Perhaps you felt all that they have and more. And so as we come to a close, I just want to encourage you, St. Peter's community, similarly to what Christine reminded us of last week, I want you to feel honestly, to notice our emotions and to turn to God. Through the immediate presence of the Holy Spirit, he is ready and willing to meet us where we are. And so when we are able, let us delight. It is a good and beautiful thing to enjoy the gifts of common grace that God has given all of us. Things like food and music or the beauty of the natural world, a good book, a conversation with a friend. Let us receive these gifts as demonstrations of the Father's love for us. Let us savor them and feel Feel them made richer by God's presence in the Holy Spirit and the fact that we're not enjoying them alone. And where we are not ready or able to delight, which I know is the case for many of us in this season, I want us to know that the Spirit is present with us in every emotion and circumstance. Again, we come to Jesus as we are and not as we should be. So let us search ourselves. Let us ask and see, where do I need God to intervene? And in these areas of discontent, let our dissatisfaction nurture our desire for something better. And then pray and plead with the Holy Spirit who is so close. He is within you. Christian writer Ruth Haley Barton says, your desire for God is the truest thing about you. So be unafraid to have high standards, St. Peter's. Be unafraid to yearn deeply for God's home to be with us and to be within us. And as we look to Pentecost, and as we recall that we are post-Pentecost people, let us give thanks that God has not forsaken us and that he is with us always. Amen.